Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Tim David. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Simon. Tim is a magician turned professional speaker. His book, Magic Words, has been featured in the New York Times, Harvard Business Review, Psychology Today, Huffington Post, Today's Show, and hundreds of other media outlets around the world. And fast becoming required reading on the topic of influence and motivation. Tim, take a minute to fill in some gaps from that intro and uh, give us a little glimpse to your personal life. Yeah, well, I mean, again, obviously started out as a magician and uh, I think the, a big gap there to be filled in and, and I think a story where your listeners can take uh, some some lessons from is the, the moment I decided to be a you know what not even the moment I decided to be a magician more the moment I told my dad <laughs> that I was going to be a magician you see when I was growing up my mother was an accountant my older brother went off to college got his degree and is now a sound engineer working for Bose Speaker Corporation uh, which means uh, sweet discounts for me but uh, my father he was an ex physics teacher who then left that career to design nuclear submarines for the Navy. So you get a glimpse into my childhood right there. So the, the, the family way was really to go to school, get your degree, start your career, very conservative, very safe. And when I came home and said, Dad, I, I think I want to drop out of college <laughs> in order to be a professional magician, his face dropped. But I think it's really important. And I think a lot of people listening right now have these moments when the people who should be supporting us the most as we pursue our dreams and our entrepreneurial journeys, sometimes are the ones who just simply aren't. And, and sometimes they, they give uh, well-intentioned feedback, such as, shouldn't you be more realistic? And I heard that word so many times. Yeah, magician sounds great, but shouldn't you be more realistic? What is plan B? And in my mind, well, plan B only distracts from plan A. <laughs> you know, if plan B were any good, it would be plan A. But to them, it was just a different way of doing things and 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 really sort of bridging that that gap of, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm a 19 year old kid at this point. I'm, I have to sort of make this decision and do what's right for me. And uh, and I think that that's something that we all deal with. Is, is that kind of feedback. Again, it's well-intentioned. Try to be more realistic, but in reality, what they were kind of doing is taking the wind out of my sails. So tell me, when you had the conversation with your dad telling him, I'm going to be a magician, I'm dropping out of college, uh, how did you envision your life, I don't know, 10, 20 years uh, from that moment? Yeah, that's a great question. And and my dad asked the very same question. He said, this is great now as, as a teenager, you know, but in the entertainment space, there is a shelf life. You know, it, it, you're not going to be in... in old man on stage pulling rabbits like what what is it what is going to happen here and the stereotypical image of magician might be this you know chris angel or david blaine type where it's young and hip and i don't know maybe david copperfield is is pulling it off still but yeah i, I mean he he had that concern as well and for me it was just a matter of i don't know the details this is such a a sort of deep need for me. I mean, it's, it's not like one of my options. It's my only option. 
that's the only reason I was successful is because I didn't have a plan B. And it wasn't because I was resistant to being smart about it. It wasn't because I didn't see the value in my dad's logic. It was simply because there was this, I don't know, I don't want to, at the risk of sounding cheesy, <laughs> it was this fire. It was this, this need to, uh, to fan those flames and, and really just explore and see where it went. Because here's the thing. I knew that maybe, maybe 10, 15 years from now, maybe I'd be a magician. Maybe I wouldn't, but I knew that if I was laying on my deathbed 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now, whatever it is, I would look back on it with regret if I didn't jump in with both feet. So it really was no option for me. I had to pursue it. I love that. Uh, it must have been pretty ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> people tell me it was. And again, I felt like, well, there are people who are doing this. I am going to find them and I'm going to model them. And and I mean, to me, there's one simple formula for success. And I, I got this. I can't remember the speakers who, who originally said this. But he said the formula for success is C plus P equals S. And I ask my rooms this a lot. I ask my room, what is – are you familiar with this, Simon? Yeah, well, I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah? So I ask my rooms this all the time. I say, what does C plus P equals S stand for? I'll give you a hint. S stands for success. A lot of people will say, well, commitment and perseverance and communication and people and all these guesses. But the answer is copy and paste. <laughs> you know, if you want to be successful, do what successful people do. You know, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, do it. Find one, model them, do what they do consistently with perseverance and all those other traits, and you will get there. Follow the recipe. It's really that simple. So for me, I found a magician by the name of Dave D, who is still in the marketing and entrepreneurial space to this day. And uh, he really gave me the system, the recipe, and I followed it. And my very first month, I booked 17 magic shows, which is more than I had done in the previous year. Uh, the month after that, I booked 28, which is almost double. And every month for the next eight years, I did between 20 and 30 magic shows with as many as 48 in a single month. Now, I don't know if you know anything about magicians, but 48 – oh, scratch that. I don't know if you know anything about little kids' birthday parties, <laughs> okay? But 48 in a month is – amazing birth control i mean i'll just i'll just say it like it is so tim uh, you had a mentor uh, it seems like he played a huge role in your success uh, how you just reached out to him and uh, he said yes or uh, tell me about that process well it was i mean it was much simpler than that i saw an ad he was selling a program i called him up and bought it it took me two days before i actually pulled the trigger and, and bought it it was something like 197 dollars something like that and I think I had $52 in my bank account at the, at the time. So, uh, and, he, and he was a very good salesman. I called him up on the phone. He was a very good salesman. He said things like, Tim, money is more about a feeling than a fact. If your mother had cancer and the cure was $59, I'm sure you'd be able to come up with it. It's, it's, uh, it's not about your resources. It's about your resourcefulness. So he was, uh, he was a very good salesman, and, and that really stuck in my head. And I woke up the next morning uh, with the same debt as I had the day before. At this point in my life, I was $16,000 worth of credit card debt, again, as a teenager. Um, the same doubt as I had the day before. I didn't even know if it was going to work. Um, this time I took a leap of faith and I ordered the program. So Tim, uh, you went from being a magician uh, to a professional speaker. Tell me about that. 
Well, again, it's all about following passion and a couple of things that I noticed. Number one, when I was doing 300, 350 shows a year, other magicians started noticing. They started asking me, hey, whoa, what's going on here? How are you doing this? So like Dave, I put together books and programs and courses and seminars, and I'll never forget one event in Atlanta, Georgia. I look out in the front row taking notes faster than anybody else was Dave, in fact. So uh, it was sort of a full circle moment for me. But uh, it really was this this transition of realizing in my heart now I love to teach. I love to spread the the hope, you know, because again, I know there are so many voices out there saying, no, you can't. You should be more realistic. Don't leap. Look before you leap. Don't jump. Be conservative. And I just want to be one of those voices that says, hey, you know what? It's okay. Give yourself permission. Two out of three uh, Americans hate their job. You know, they report job dissatisfaction. And I don't know. I mean, I think that there is art within all of us, whatever that art is, whether it's magic or inventing or creating, there is some sort of creative passion uh, that you have. And, and, don't apologize for it. You know, I think I think we should have an opportunity in this land of opportunity, in this land of abundance, in this time that we live in. There is so much opportunity. Get out there and and really be you. And 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 this brings me, I think, to the theme of of what our conversation, or really what my life, <laughs> where I'm at in my life right now, let alone our conversation, and that is to continue to be authentic to you. So when I was a magician, it was authentic for me to be passionate about the marketing, about selling my services. I really did love that part of the business. It was also exciting for me to be on stage. I loved that part of the business. As an introvert, gosh, I really liked writing the letters and creating those courses for other magicians and the stuff that I could do in my office. And later on in my life, uh, again, to answer your question, you know, I, ha I had a baby. You know, she's she's nine years old now. Uh, I have a seven year old girl and I have a one year old boy. So uh, so we can stop. But uh, basically, wh when that life transition happened, it lined up very closely with my own transition of moving away from traveling and touring and performing and stages uh, or excuse me, on stages to I want to be home more. And in order to do that, I needed to find higher leverage activities, stuff that I could do where I could work less and earn more. And after really analyzing what it was that was profitable for me, it came down to writing and speaking. And the good news is that was authentic for me. That is where my heart was. That is what I felt. You know, I, I really did make that transition over time from entertainer to educator, from being a novelty for corporations and associations that hired me to more being a necessity, you know, somebody who could provide them with some information or resources that could get them out of a rut or help them be motivated or move their organization forward. So that was more leverage for me. And, and, and it was sort of this half emotional decision, Simon, and it was a half logical decision. So, uh, Tim, you've done so much in your past. You've had a long journey as an entrepreneur. But I, but I want to ask, uh, could you tell me, as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? And I'm actually really excited to hear that answer. Hmm. I think that the answer is kind of in the question. It's the one thing. And I've gone through a few 
a few different approaches to this. You know, do you diversify? For example, in marketing, you want to have a lot of pots. You want, you want to have, kind of have your hand in a lot of pots. You want to have a diversified marketing portfolio because if all you're doing is Facebook ads and Facebook changes its its algorithm or, or whatever and suddenly that doesn't work for you anymore, then your whole business is gone. So there is value in having a lot of things and a diversified thing, but it is also now in 2016 sort of – a possibility of being overwhelmed by that. I mean, there's so much, you know, there's all this social media and you can't just do social media. I mean, you've got Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Periscope and, and, and Pinterest. And I mean, there's just so many channels for, for just that one piece uh, of marketing. So for me, it has come down to that one thing. What is the one thing that I need to do today? What is the one thing? So I've, I've given up on to-do lists, Simon. I've taken the to-do lists and I've put them away. I now have a to-do item. <laughs> I say, if I can get this thing done today, it's been a good day. And then I forgive myself for not dominating the world in 24 hours. And then I say, this is a small step that I can take. It's significant. It's important. It's high leverage. But it's maybe just one thing. So I know that that's not really a good answer because sometimes that one thing is writing my next book proposal. Sometimes that one thing might be uh, rounding up a few interviews. Sometimes that one, sometimes that one thing might be setting up a joint venture. But, but the bottom line is that focus on one thing, small baby steps, cumulative effort, cumulative results. And uh, again, there's, there's a lot of ways up the mountain, but none of them allow you to really just jump up the mountain in one step. You got to take steps no matter which path you go. You got to take baby steps. Yeah, I like the idea because entrepreneurs, we tend to feel overwhelmed uh, every day when we don't accomplish uh, a certain task we uh, set ourselves. Uh, like in the morning, let's say I want to accomplish five things on my to-do list and if we accomplish four, in the end of the night, we feel like failures. But I like the approach of doing one thing every day. So let's say you finish uh, that one thing. Uh, are you going to pick up the second thing on the same day or you call it a day or it depends? I think it really depends. Uh, a big part of what I need to do as as a human being to remain functional is I need to take care of myself. So what I what I used to do a lot in my younger years, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was neglecting that. So I neglected exercise. Uh, if I wanted to write a book, I would sit down and try to bang it out in a weekend. And I would just dive in and work around the clock. And that is one of the strengths that I have in a way is that I can focus on one task and just put my head down and, and work months if I need to. But at the same time, it also might be a weakness because I now neglect like uh, so often I forget to eat, you know, like I'll miss lunch and be like, oh, my gosh, it's 5 p.m. What happened <laughs> to the day? So I, I need to really make sure that I take time out to exercise, to eat right, to continue to challenge myself uh, personally as well as professionally. So. Uh, you know, also got to pour into my relationships, my marriage, my kids. So I, I will, uh, you know, occasionally take on something else, you know, maybe a small task, but usually I will pick my head up and say, that is done. What do I need to make sure that I can be productive tomorrow as well? And Simon, I also want to kind of come at that question. I think that's a great question um, as far as, you know, what's the one thing that we do to be successful? And I've given you kind of a I don't know, maybe a practical answer to that, but I want to switch gears a little bit and give you an answer that I think is more um, 
I don't want to say accurate because they're both accurate, but this is more, uh, I don't know, it's just sort of a different approach to this answer. And I think the the biggest difference, the biggest um, difference maker for me has been really embracing authenticity. I know that's a bit of a buzzword. I know a lot of people talk about authenticity, but you know, everything shifted when, again, I gave myself permission to uh, reveal weaknesses, to be authentic with my clients, to be authentic on the stage, to be authentic on the page. And what I found is something very interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence that the word authenticity and the word authority share the same root. You know, I think the more authentic I became, that's when my tribe really started to grow. You know, people started to resonate with the stories that I told. People started to connect with the humanity, if you will, behind the business. So that authentic human connection, that authenticity, I think is what gives me the authority to be able to speak on a stage. Because again, I dropped out of college. I don't have a degree. I'm not an authority. I'm not an expert or recognized expert in any of these areas. Um, you know, I, I, was a, I was a professional magician for eight years. You know, what does that lend to credibility in corporate America? Nothing, right? But yet here I am, you know, writing books that are published by Penguin Random House. And I mean, you read the intro as far as um, the people who uh, recognize me as an authority. And I think it really, really does come back to authenticity. But at the same time, I guess it takes years to realize that. Um, because when you start off, especially entrepreneurship in business, uh, you want to put on that look, um, kind of that typical uh, entrepreneurship look. But I guess it takes time to realize what do you stand for? What are your values? I, and I guess uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is a perfect example of that. He's doing a great job leveraging the transparency and the humanic side of uh, of an entrepreneur and people resonate with that Tim I would totally agree and a few people that really inspired this for me number one um, I'm gonna say Simon Sinek or Simon Sinek I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name but uh, he wrote a book called start with why and you know he's done TED talks if, you, if, you, if your listeners don't like to read you can jump in you know check out a TED talk or something like that but basically this idea of beginning with uh, with a purpose and when I realized that hey my purpose is to help people understand one another better so that they can connect better. So my understanding of, of magic and showmanship really forced me to study psychology and neuroscience and how the brain works. And, and that information is something that's valuable and helpful in corporate America. So helping people to understand and communicate better is, is my why. And, and that's really where you can be authentic. If you are in a fake it till you make it mindset, it's going to be very difficult to make authenticity work because what's going to happen is you're going to be faking it and then you'll make it. But the problem is you will have succeeded at the wrong thing. You will have attracted the wrong people or the wrong clients. So it, it is almost this it, – it's like a catch-22, but it's, it's one of these things that if you bite the bullet and say, you know what? This is going to be – I'm going to just put me out there, if you will. I'm going to, I'm going to go do my art, if you will. And 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 hopefully magnetically attract the right people. Then then I would a bit of advice again. I would base it on your why. You know what is that difference that you hope to make? What is that vision that you hope to build? What is that purpose in uh, behind your work or your business? And when you get excited about that, then the the next thing that happens is authenticity. 
you know, the next thing that happens is you just automatically start speaking from passion. So, uh, so that was one, one big inspiration was Simon Sinek's, uh, start with why Adam Grant's give and take was another big inspiration for me to really understand that, Hey, you know, nice guys don't have to finish last. You don't have to put on this face or this mask and fake it till you make it. Uh, another one was Seth Godin's Icarus deception and this brilliant metaphor of the story of Icarus when people told you know, Icarus's father told him, don't fly too high. You know, that's kind of like me when I wanted to be a magician. People were telling me, don't fly too high. That goal is too high. Should you, shouldn't you find something more realistic? But also Icarus's father, see, people forget this, but Icarus's father also warned him against flying too low. You know, the, the, the mist from the sea could make your wings too heavy. So don't fly too low. And uh, so that book, uh, again, really inspired me in in that regard as well as to to be authentic, you know, to kind of get out there and don't don't fly too low. So uh, let's go off that and uh, talk about the worst entrepreneurial moment you've ever had, Tim. Um, do you have a story which really shaped you when you look back on your journey? A major hardship or a major challenge, Tim? This is this is a really tough question. I mean, nothing really jumps to the forefront of my mind. Uh, I will say this: that failure is a daily thing. Um. And, and, and tying this back to authenticity, the, the, see, the problem with authenticity is it is bound to something called fear. You, you can't have one without the other. You know, if you're not afraid, then you're not really, truly being vulnerable and authentic. So, you know, I, I know that there have been moments when those fears have been realized. I've been rejected. I, as you know, from, from clients, I've had proposals sent back. I've, you know, I've had, uh, you know, just bad experiences and gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I remember one time I went, I flew to Canada. It was three flights. It was, I'm, I, I'm from Boston. I flew all the way to Alberta, Canada. And then it was a four hour drive to the location for this, for the, for the engagement. And it just, you know, I just hadn't done my due diligence. I hadn't, I was going after the money instead of the why I took a gig that really wasn't right for me. And I was on stage bombing just, just dying up there. And, um, I remember I just, I gave them all their money back at, cause I just felt so bad about <laughs> the, uh, the disaster. So my wife was freaking out. She's like, we needed that money and you flew all the way there and took three days. And so, I mean, that's just one example though. I mean, there really are lots of little failures along the way. Some of them, you know, I remember like that Canada story, uh, as, as, as being uh, sort of a, a stark failure, but, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is really more cumulative and more uh, more progressive. But the good news is, on the other side of of the failure is is a lesson learned, is a success uh, taken away. So um, so that maybe that's why I don't have the the memory of something that's a worst entrepreneurial moment because even in those even in those bad moments, there's you know there, there's a lesson, there's something to take away. Well, maybe it's just uh, you have such a positive outlook on life and. Uh if somebody would consider a specific moment a really bad or a, or a worst entrepreneurial moment, but you see it as a, just a stepping stone or, or a challenge, could that be it? Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, the thing about challenge is, um, it, you know, it, is, it really is sort of a regular part of, of entrepreneurship. And you got to have a positive view of it, you know, if, if you're going to survive. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a game that, that can, can wear you down for sure. And, um, 
you know, so yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it is a muscle that has just been developed over time. Uh, it's certainly not something I've been gifted with or born with. Um, you know, I'm somebody who is exactly the opposite. You know, you say I have a positive outlook and, you know, I'm somebody who, who struggles with depression and feelings of, you know, negativity a lot as well. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that that muscle gets exercised, uh, in, 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 uh, in the world that we live in as entrepreneurs. Tim, I want to touch on uh, habits for a bit. Uh, I don't know how big are you on habits, Tim? I should be bigger. You know, I really should be. Um, I thrive on variety and, 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 and routine is not my strength. Okay. If you had to pick, uh one habit, uh, or if you can't pick one, a ritual that you pursue day in or day out, or a behavior that really contributes to your success, what would that be? Oh, that's easy. Uh, reading. Reading uh, positive, instructional, nonfiction, um, at least a book a week, without fail, no matter what's going on with the schedule. Gotta pour in. We're pouring out too much. We gotta pour in. Okay, I know you hate those questions. What is your favorite book? But if you had to pick one, what would that be? <laughs> you know, I was doing a, a, a broadcast on Periscope earlier and I got that exact question. Uh, you know, it, it'll vary. It certainly varies on the topic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much into psychology and neuroscience and really how people think. Uh, I've always been very sort of, I don't know, inward and cerebral in that way. Uh, partially because of my my background as a magician. You know, one of the things about magicians is they are obsessed about how other people see the world. You know, they practice in front of a mirror for hours so that they can see what other people see. They stand on stage and have their coaches sit in various places in the auditorium so they can tell them, hey, watch your angles here or hey, you know, you're flashing here. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we'll video record ourselves and study the footage so we can see what you see. We must have a very, very good understanding of what you see as the audience if we're going to create an, an effective experience for you. So obsessing about other people's perspective is is probably what ended up getting me into psychology <laughs> in the first place. But uh, so I think a really good book is one that was recommended to me by uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, which is Strangers to Ourselves by Timothy Wilson. And I think that's just a good, uh, you know, he, he describes how the brain works in, in sort of the best, most complete uh, that, that any single volume could do. So, I, I mean, if I had to pick, you know, a book that I'm really interested in, but I mean, again, Gosh, that's a really hard question. Oh, for sure. Here yeah. we go. How about this one? Magic Words by Tim David. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes, we're going to link that up as well. So definitely <laughs> look it up. Um, Tim, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I want to wrap up today's talk uh, with happiness. What brings you joy and really makes you happy? Ooh. I think stories. You know, stories of people who do overcome those challenges. Uh, so Simon, this is this is why I appreciate what you do so much in in, in your podcast uh, you know, I just started a podcast. I don't know how much work it is, <laughs> you know, and, and especially uh, how often you turn these out. I, I really do appreciate you bringing these stories uh, to people who need to hear them. So I think that brings me happiness. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I guess I could share a quick story of of uh, my grandfather. He was an amateur magician, never pursued it. I never knew he was a magician. I just remember showing him my first fumbling card trick and then him smiling and nodding and then saying, let me see those cards. And he just blew my mind. But, you know, he was uh, he, he worked as a janitor his whole life and he did not allow himself 
to fall into the category that two out of three Americans have of job dissatisfaction. They show up, where's my coffee, when's the weekend, punch a clock, you know, go through the motions. But him, man, he brought that authenticity to even the job of being a janitor. So while he had the dream of being a magician and he didn't pursue it, he sort of did get to see me, you know, and live that out vicariously through me. And, and he was the only person, by the way, who encouraged me, not only with his words, but also by seeing him find happiness in a place where so many other people would turn their nose up at it. And, and to see somebody work with passion, to see somebody work with and bring their authentic selves to their, to, to a job like that. And he worked until he was 88 years old. He loved it. He had such a passion for it. So, so I think stories like that really do bring me happiness. Uh, family certainly brings me happiness. My, my little boy right now is just in that stage where he's just a ball of love and energy and, uh, just joy. So yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of lot of happiness to be found if if you look for it and if you acknowledge it. I'm so happy you brought up the point that your grandfather supported you. Having that even one person who uh, supports whatever you're doing, I think, uh, is so so important. So Tim, I want to end today's show with a parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you. Parting piece of guidance. Gosh, well, I think that we all need some of that authority that comes with authenticity. We all need to be influential. We need to move people to action, be it customers or investors or whatever it is. And, you know, in order to do that, again, really, really allow yourself to be authentic to your why. And I know I'm reiterating here, but in a world where there are so many options there, I mean, there are so many people who do what you do. Right. There are so many people who offer programs, products, services in your category. There are so many alternatives. Why would anybody do business with you versus all of the other opportunities in their category? So the answer to that has to be because it's you, you know, and, and because of the connection that you've made, because of it's it's authentic to who you are, even if it's not original. You know, it's it's still even if it's been done before, it's never been done by you. So that authority comes from that authenticity. So, again, I hate to be the dead horse, but uh, that's that's sort of the parting wisdom. And I think uh, the best way to get in touch with me is uh, is, is a gift. I, I'd, lo I'd love to give your listeners a gift. Um, and basically that gift is the first seven chapters of a book that is forthcoming. It is not out yet. And I really shouldn't be talking about it. I really shouldn't be giving these chapters. <laughs> Truth be told, my publisher may or may not be happy with this. But um, I'm going to give the first seven chapters of a book that I'm calling Authentic Influence. Now, when you get to the web page, it's tentatively titled Applied Influence. So I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't changed that. I'm keeping that tentative title. But I, I believe Authentic Influence is, um, is where the title is headed. So the way to get that is goodatpeople.com slash decoded tim i really appreciate you coming on the show it was a pleasure talking with you absolutely thanks for having me simon thank you for listening to entrepreneur decoded for killer resources and free content go to entrepreneurdecoded.com